What is happening, everyone? Welcome again to The Window, Canada's sports betting podcast. Ahead on today's episode of The Window, the Stanley Cup playoffs are officially here. The bonus hockey is over, and boy, was it a bonus for our accounts. Hard to imagine replicating the success of the qualifying round, but you know we're going to try. Chris Abbott from CoolBet is in for this one, and he gives us his take on what he sees and some valuable information about what the sportsbook is getting from you, the better. Who to bet on, who to avoid, and a few stories along the way. It's time to head to the window. Let's go. Welcome to The Window. I'm your host, Matt Russell. Normally, we start with our Don't Look Back in Anger segment, but frankly, we don't have anything to look back angry about. We swept the plays yesterday. No big deal. We talk more about it, but there is more things that we need to discuss here. Who cares about all of that? The Stanley Cup playoffs start for real today, Tuesday afternoon, and of course, we got to bring in our guy, friend of the show, country manager for Cool Bet, Chris Abbott. How you doing, man? Hey, Matt. I'm doing great. Uh, I'm still riding high off your uh, Montreal Canadiens pick. Anyone who listen, I'm telling them that you are the only person in Canada that thought they could win. Not even like the Molson family themselves had money down on that series. <laughs> I think the Molson family drove the line up <laughs> and made it an even better, better price. So, so it was great, man. Well, and that's, uh, that sort of brings me to the first thing we really need to discuss. Is there panic in the cool bet offices in Estonia right now about my Montreal 49 to 1 to win the Eastern Conference bet? Like, are they having meetings? Is it, you know, just like 12 people on a Zoom just, or just like a low level buzz around the water cooler? Like, what's, what's the situation? Am I going to bankrupt the entire operation there with my $20 49 to 1? Honestly, our uh, our entire well, first of all, you that's not the biggest forty nine to one we hold on the Montreal Canadiens. I know, and I wish I had gone bigger, but I couldn't even believe it myself. And I was so deep into the series price that I was like, you know what, just you just go in a little bit here. So no, for sure, I have my own regrets. It uh, you know we've got some guys like we I think we got a five hundred dollar bet on that, uh, maybe a thousand dollar bet on that, but um, there's very very little panic. Um, because they've still got to win three series before they win the Eastern Conference. So um, I think the Eastern Conference is going to be a slug to get through. Um, yeah. And I think the Flyers certainly present a much different challenge to Montreal than the Penguins do. But I think, uh, you know, I, I think uh, the Canadians still have a chance here. Um, but no, uh, to answer your question, there is very, very little panic. In fact, the overlords at the cool vet office in Estonia are quite happy with the results of the first round because um, the biggest risks we held were on Pittsburgh and Edmonton. So um, we were quite, quite happy with how the first round turned out. And also we had big risk on Winnipeg. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So that, that does bring me to my first question. So, okay. So, you, so you, you killed it on Winnipeg losing, um, which isn't surprising because you guys were the best price on Winnipeg. We talked about that, how you were, uh, in my opinion, you guys were coaxing in the Winnipeg Jet money because, you know, I think your traders were thinking the same way I was in that Calgary was the play 
in a really big way, right? And for me, that's put a large amount of money on Calgary. And for you guys, that's sort of juicing up the other side. And I don't want to say tricking, but sort of coaxing people into betting Winnipeg. A little bit different with some of those other teams. Like people were, you know, more than happy to bet on the Oilers, more than happy to bet on Pittsburgh, et cetera, et cetera. But for sort of a 50-50 sort of, you know, lower line type of thing, um, you know, we sort of had that pegged uh, going in. Yeah. And, you know, we had a lot of people from Winnipeg and, and like just coincidentally, because the job that I have in terms of getting our brand out in markets uh, and, you know, the job that the bookmakers have in terms of setting prices, uh, totally different. We don't talk yep. about it really. Um, but it really kind of uh, came to came to a head. Uh, we just started a, a marketing campaign in Winnipeg. And, um, you know, the radio host there was trumpeting our price on the Jets. And uh, I, that definitely, definitely helped with, uh, you know, the casual gambler coming in. But, I mean, if, if Mark Scheifele and Patrick Laine don't go down in the first game, it's a totally different series. Um, yeah, we, yeah, we definitely caught a break there for sure. Yeah. So, um, you know, but uh, it, it was good. It, it was, like, we have no complaints. Like, uh, even, you know, I think the smart, smart NHL better like, uh, you know, you are, we knew that Chicago had a fighting chance. We knew that Montreal had a fighting chance. I didn't think they were going to win, but knew they had a chance. And we knew the Columbus Blue Jackets had a fighting chance. Arizona, I don't know if I knew they had a fighting chance, <laughs> but hey, that worked out as well. So, yeah, um, you know, that, it, it's really interesting, but, it, you know, it does go to show that uh, the regular season and the playoffs are a totally different beast in hockey maybe more so than any other sport. I think, Absolutely. Um, I think things change dramatically um, for, the, for the underdog, the scrappy team, when it comes to uh, you know, the anti-skill of the playoffs. Right, and that sort of goes to, you know, it's a perfect segue, really, and as, as I'm going to sort of recap how I handicap this stuff, it's, it's true, right? Because for me, my handicapping strategy is valuing five-on-five over you know, power plays and, you know, throughout the season, obviously the high skill teams are going to accumulate, you know, better numbers because their power play is going to be better, right? Higher scale equals better power play in a lot of circumstances. Well, when there's less power plays, then things start to even out. And like you're talking about the grinding teams, the teams that aren't going to take penalties because they're well-disciplined, those teams succeed and they're often the underdog because it's just a completely different game. So in that, in that qualifying round, you had three teams that didn't score a power play goal. You know who those teams are? Uh, I Col- don't, as a matter of Col- fact. Columbus, Montreal, and Philadelphia. Wow. How'd it work out for those three teams, right? Wow. So you're looking, you're like, wow, those teams went seven in three uh no nine and three sorry nine and three for 75 percent and none of them scored a power play goal at any given point right Mm -hmm. and so obviously they lost the quote-unquote special teams battle during those series and of course you know won the series and in the case of philadelphia won the number one seed which by the way shout out to us for picking that one out um in our preview uh and then other teams that won the special teams battle toronto of course edmonton nashville um, Pittsburgh and Florida and the Islanders, a pretty lopsided series was actually even from a special team standpoint. So for me, I use uh, 
expected goals for, expected goals against, five on five, high danger scoring chance conversion rate, five on five. And then from a goaltending standpoint, I'm very immediate, right? I'm a what have you done for me lately guy. What did you do this year using goals saved above average? So everything else is sort of tangential and anecdotal at best for me. So that's where you sort of find some value because it's so razor thin, the margin between these teams. And we're going to look at some prices now with these series. And some of them are so high. And listen, I'm not going to take, you know, blindly take all the underdogs here, um, especially for the series, because I think, you know, there's some that just, even if the price is so high, it really just lends itself more to a stay away than anything else. But, you know, I, none of my numbers are ever going to make any team a minus 300, you know, and, and higher favorite over any, anybody else in, in hockey playoffs because it's such a razor-thin margin. Yeah, I mean, um, and we'll get into series by series, but I know you're alluding to team, you know, the Vegas series, minus 345 at our book sure. right now. Um, you know, uh, you, you're not laying that. Uh, minus 286, even though I think, you know, that Colorado wins this series, I think there's better ways to bet that series. So uh, I'm with you on that, um, especially uh, some of the tighter lines for sure with some of the underdogs. Um, and I think we'll probably talk about the game ones for the qualifying teams pretty soon. Sure. Yeah. And exactly. I mean, and, and for me, um, a lot of the best value is in the game ones, right? Because it's essentially mirroring the series, right? If I like a team to win a series and I bet that, I'm going to take them in game one. It's actually kind of after that where things get more difficult for me because if they go ahead and win game one, a lot of times there's an you know, odds adjustment to that. And you also have the better team who's coming out, you know, a little more backs against the wall being already down one nothing in the series. So, you know, I, I, in a way, I kind of lose some of my betting value after the game one be you know even though i've already sort of cashed a lot of these game ones at least that was the case in the qualifying round and by the way like before we get going on the series it is pretty hilarious that you know you know we're talking about this qualifying round and now now we're finally into the first round and it's like if your team made the playoffs and like this first round it's like that qualifying round didn't exist right it's like oh yeah you know that was just a qualifying round to get in. Like if you're an Oilers fan or a Leafs fan, you know, you feel the loss that was a playoff loss, but you're not even getting credit for making the playoffs at this point. Like it's pretty ridiculous that that's where we've come to. It's a, it's a tough slap in the face for those uh, franchises that were, you know, both the Leafs and the Oilers are looked at as these young, high powered future of the NHL type, uh, type teams and yeah just just not in the playoffs this year yeah and doesn't uh, that again that's to your point about the the you know grindier type teams right these top heavy teams that have two or three guys that are taking up all of the salary cap and you know that just doesn't work right this isn't the nba that's right it's not translating you need you need a full roster in the NHL more than more than again any sport. Uh, I'll argue the NFL. You need a full roster as well. Yeah, because for sure. If your linemen go down, uh, it might not get a whole lot of coverage in the general public, but you're in a lot of trouble. Uh, yeah. But yeah, you need a you need a full team to play sixty minutes, and that sounds so cliche. But as we saw, I'll use Toronto for an example when their backs were against the wall and they kept rolling out Matthews, Marner, and Tavares. 
and those guys couldn't score, it was too little too late when you don't have a viable bottom six that chips in some goals for you early in the game. So, um, yeah, that was, uh, that was certainly an interesting series to watch from that perspective. And, yeah, the teams with – well, look at it. Pittsburgh has a, their salary tied up in a lot of big-name guys, Edmonton, Toronto. Mm-hmm. Um, yep, those, exactly. those are just the ones off the top of my head, right? And um, it didn't work out. Now, you, you do it again, maybe two or three of those teams all get in. But there is a susceptibility there. And when you're talking betting, and I like how you, you, know, you use the, the razor-thin margin analogy, um, hmm. it, it certainly does put some value on the underdogs. No doubt. So let's see if we can find some value here. And so uh, I'm going to start with a series that I don't know that most people think you know, is the first thing they think of. Um, but it is for me, and it's my show. So we're starting with the <laughs> Vancouver Canucks. Um, the Vancouver Canucks and the St. Louis Blues. And I'm going to start because a little anecdotal story here. Uh, so it came down, this matchup came down to St. Louis and Dallas in an otherwise meaningless game on Sunday, right? So if you're like me, you had no idea what to do with that game. Is it a regular season game? Is it a preseason game? Like, what? how are we supposed to handicap that type of a game? So largely ignored from a betting standpoint, both of those games on Sunday. Except for the fact that my partner, uh, who I live with here, is a Blues fan. And... <laughs> and uh, it didn't even really dawn on me because I'm, you know, so deep into all the different bets that are going on, especially last weekend with the PGA Championship going to, and it's all sort of a blur. And so I sort of forget the like fandom element for myself. And the Blues are up one nothing, and it's whoever uh, loses gets the Canucks, right? And so it's super late in the game, and we didn't even turn the game on until like five minutes left because I kind of forgot that it was even on. So we flip it on um, just on the second screen that I have uh, next to the PGA championship. And I turn to Emily and I say, you know, if the, you know, we sort of dodged a bullet here because if the blues, you know, lose or lost this game, it'd be Canucks and blues in the next round. And no sooner do I say that with about 30 seconds left, Dallas scores to tie it. And then they go, you know, to the shootout. And now it's on for real here. And Dallas wins in the shootout and sends St. Louis into a matchup with Vancouver. We just kind of look at each other across the couch. And I'm like, okay, going to be an interesting couple of weeks here. (laughs) (laughs) So as far as the odds are concerned, uh, you guys have essentially the lowest number for the Canucks from an underdog standpoint. Uh, plus 160 is the last uh, last time I looked at it. Is that about the case now? Yeah, right now, uh, Blues minus 192 and Canucks plus 160. And in terms of action, it's been about split. We have a slight risk on St. Louis. Okay. So for me, a quick run through of my numbers. Uh, I've got this very close to essentially a pick I've got St. Louis winning this 515 percent of the time here in a seven game series which you know again from a number standpoint is definitely a bet for me for you know on vancouver um there are better prices out there than the plus 160 uh so you know obviously shop around is always always my recommendation to people um so quite a considerable edge here obviously my fandom and my general um history with the canucks would you know i try not to bet on them i really tried to you know avoid betting on them at all costs here but 
I'm kind of forced into it here with <laughs> what is essentially like a 12% edge, I think. Well, they call that pock committed in poker, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's like I'd, I would prefer the emotional hedge, <laughs> but I don't have that option either. It's sort of, you know, the numbers say what the numbers say. And like, you know, the first round with Montreal and Columbus and so on, you know, just following the numbers is going to work out, work out more often than not here. So, yeah, I mean, like, what do you think? Well, I love how how we approach this as a tandem because yeah. uh, you're very analytical when it comes to the numbers. And I'm from being like a, a hockey coach and a broadcaster. I'm a very eye test kind of guy. Mm-hmm. So I I kind of lean Vancouver here as well. I think okay. um, going into the qualifier, they were undervalued, I think, because of their regular season record, which uh, especially going into the break was hampered by the Markstrom injury. Um, before that, they were a very, very competent team. So I like them there. Something else I like is I'm looking at the series spread price. If you wanted to mitigate your risk a little bit, and maybe I'm a sucker when it comes to these sometimes, maybe the value isn't there, but Vancouver plus one and a half games is minus 120 at our book. So mm. I, I don't mind that at all either to give yourself a little bit of wiggle room. Um, if I was to play this, which I probably will. Um, I like this to be a, a, like you said, it's going to be a close series, right? So Vancouver to win or lose it in seven games is, uh, is fair value to me at minus 120. Yeah. And obviously, you know, you know, St. Louis has the, you know, the old intangibles, right? Like back in the day when handicappers or, you know, uh, would go, you know, Jimmy the Greek would go on the NFL today and he would just, you know, check mark on either side of each team, like offense, defense, <laughs> what, you know, special teams, intangibles. You've got the St. Louis intangibles, obviously defending cup champions, right? But unless the Stanley Cup gets literally put in front of the net to help Bennington stop pucks, like that doesn't really make a difference at this point. And so not to say that Bennington, you know, needs any help because he certainly was probably the best thing they had going in that qualifying round, which again, you know, who knows how much you can take from that. Um, but from a seasonal standpoint, again, I'm a very much a what have you done for me lately. And, you know, I had my eyebrow raised a little bit going into the qualifying stuff because who's, you know, how do we know what goalie is going to be at the same level that he was, you know, four five, six months ago, right? And what that qualifying round sort of showed me is, you know, which guys are still at that level. And I think Markstrom is still at his level. And that level was good for sixth in the league in goals saved above average, which is considerably higher than where Bennington was for this uh, season. Yeah. And something else that uh, I think Vancouver has in their favor here is that they faced a little bit of adversity in that uh, qualifying round. St. Louis, like I don't put any stock in this, uh, you know, the round robin stuff like those guys, to me, that was not anywhere close to playoff hockey. It, it was nope. even closer to exhibition than it was regular season. So, you know, if you want to, if you want to add in the battle-tested factor, which I actually quite do believe in. Yeah. Um, also, the St. Louis Blues aren't the exact same team they had last year. Like, of course, they don't have a Patrick Maroon. They don't have a Joel Edmondson. So, there's they're not the same team that won the Stanley Cup, and uh, you know. Granted, they were a little bit of a surprise to win the Stanley Cup by yeah. some accounts. 
and and let's not pretend like it was a dominant showing where they just rolled through everybody, right? Like it was game seven here, game seven there, um, which again, razor thin margins here, right? Alternative universe, they maybe go out in the first round to Winnipeg. So, you know, it, this isn't a, you know, daunting task necessarily. And, you know, the neutral site stuff, definitely helps the Canucks in my opinion because again as a Canucks fan who's seen you know everything essentially you know they don't really have a home ice advantage because anytime anything kind of goes wrong you know I would make the case you know again I'm a little too close to it but more than anywhere else in the league like the sphincter tightening of the fans like really is noticeable in Canucks games when they go down one nothing or something along those lines right so just playing as a young team neutral site you know all that stuff to me it's very much uh you know up for grabs it's one of the three and again I don't really do a ton with you know because again my numbers don't you know influence things when it comes to special teams but it is one of three series in this first round where the underdog in this case the Canucks actually have you know again it's minor but actually have the advantage over the favored team so there's a lot of reasons to like the Canucks here and of course the biggest one is what I think is a pretty inflated price yeah and I think um, you know to finish my thought on the Canucks uh, I, I agree with you on the neutral site thing I actually talked about it uh, in terms of the Flyers, uh, the same deal with Carter Hart uh, in the goalie graveyard that is Philadelphia. That mm. you'll, I think they get a little bit of a boost not being in that tough, tough home market um, and not having to play in Montreal. They get a bit of a double bonus there. Um, oh, yeah. But, yeah, I, I agree. I think, um, you know, St. Louis wrote a lot of things to that Stanley Cup. They, You know, the fact that they had never done it, the city was behind them. Um, of course, the young girl who was kind of their rallying point, Layla. Um, yeah. All those things. And honestly, when you talk about it, you know, uh, if the Stanley Cup's not in the crease stopping pucks, then, you you know, those are the things that you talk about. And I think Vancouver's younger, faster, and uh, they're talented. So um, the Canucks have a real opportunity here. And uh, as an underdog, I, yeah, I, I'm with you on this one. Yeah, absolutely. If, I, if, if they were wearing any other jerseys, right, I would be like full bore. You know, the Canucks have a very real shot at, at this upset. And I just sort of have to, you know, put that aside, right? It's, you know, as much as I want to say, like, oh, all I care about is numbers and I don't let my heart, uh, you know, mess with my brain and all that kind of thing. The reality is here, this is a bet that needs to get made every single time for at least one unit. If not, if I was being honest and you didn't really have any other emotional attachment to it, probably a unit and a half or even two. Okay. All right. I'm, I'm with you. So let's go to Dallas Calgary here as the next one. Staying out west. Uh, stay in Canadian, so to speak. Um, quick on the numbers here. I've got Calgary as the favorite in this, and it's actually by a fair amount. In fact, it's more than St. Louis, right, over Vancouver. It's at a 54.5% rate here. Um, and I think that's why this game, from an odd standpoint, a you know, both sides are essentially in the minuses. So it's essentially a coin flip, right? You'll get minus 110 on either side at some, you know, sites. Uh, I believe you guys actually have a really good number on Calgary. So maybe you guys are trying to coax me into something here. Um, But you're going to get me. You're going to get me hook, line, and sinker. Well, our line has moved ever so slightly with this. So it opened stars minus 114, flames minus 103. Right now it's stars minus 118, flames even money. Um, wow. We've taken an equal number of bets on each side, 
and we've taken a little more money on Dallas than on Calgary. But when I was on with um, Nick Costos and Eli Hershkovich last night on You Better You Bet, they asked me my favorite series, and I told them that I like Calgary uh, in this one. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, I really do. I I, uh, I think they look very, very good against Winnipeg. Uh, scoring goals, not an issue against the Vesna candidate. Um yeah, I, I thought the Flames. I mean, Matthew Kachuk has really come into his own. He's he's got the ability to get under guys' skin um, and back it up too, right? Yeah. Like people will say, like call him a pest or whatever, and it's like that's underselling it, right? And there's so few guys, uh, you know, in the league at any given time, and you can sort of pick them out over the course of their careers, right? Like a guy like Dustin Bufflin when he was playing forward for Chicago. Um, you know, I'll never forget, and it's funny because he's now on the Canucks, but is only you know hasn't played much, and and has unfortunately been dealing with concussions. But a guy like Michael Furland, who you know gave the Canucks absolute fits towards the tail end of the Canucks you know peak run there mm-hmm. when Calgary knocked off uh, Vancouver to the point where like that's why I think he got a gig with Vancouver because everybody sort of remembered that series now he's not the player of course that Kachuk is and that's sort of the point in that this guy is you know a burgeoning superstar in the way you know that we want our superstars to be as hockey fans right we want our Cam Neely type guys my favorite player ever Cam Neely yeah he's a lot of guys favorite player right and it's you know and how often do you hear of a guy who wasn't in a Canadian market being people's favorite players, but he is the one with, who would sort of top that uh, that vote, so to speak. So, um, from an analytics standpoint, the expected goals for and high danger chances offensively are really good for Calgary, and we saw that, and that's why we like them against Winnipeg. Again, Winnipeg might have been able to keep up if they had been a little bit healthier. But that being said, um, Dallas is tenth best at preventing the chances. So, obviously, a team that you know pr- prides itself on defense, maybe not as high though in these analytics as you might think right if you were naming five really good defensive teams dallas might show up on that list so the fact that they're 10th is actually kind of low right and so i do sort of expect a bit of a low scoring series here but i'm going to take my chances with the team i believe is going to create more scoring chances five on five and that's calgary and you know again we're not taking a ton from the round robin element of the qualifiers but Dallas didn't look like they were scoring much in those in those games. No, and uh, unless Ben Bishop is at his very, very best, um, which this year I think he was, you know, looking at his numbers, he was good, but not um, superb. His uh, goals against average this year was higher than his, um, his career average. His save percentage was a touch lower than his career average. So when Ben Bishop is on, he is darn near unbeatable. But when he's not, uh, he's, he's just an average goaltender. Um, I look at Cam Talbot in the other end, who's getting a lot of praise now for the Flames. And I loved him when he was in New York. I thought Edmonton got a real steal uh, yeah. in getting him. And then he kind of got run out of town. But you, you, it's hard to be a good goalie in Edmonton because you're getting so many quality chances against you. So yeah. I think he's found a real nice fit here in Calgary. David Riddick is a capable backup. So I like the Flames from that perspective. Um, I like that they've got the disappointment of last year's embarrassing first-round exit, although when you look back at it, that Colorado team was probably vastly underrated. Um, yeah. And you've got skill guys. You know, Johnny Gaudreau, Elias Lindholm, Sean Monaghan, when these guys are, are going. And also the defense, quite, quite underrated in Calgary. And I think Jeff Ward's got a, a real good young 
group there and led obviously by the, the battle tested Mark Giordano. Um, they've got Noah Hannafin there as well. Um, you know, so a little bit more, I think, um, depth. I think they do miss um, Travis Hamanick, who opted out. But, uh, you know, we all understand Yeah, that's that. unfortunate for them. Um, but, I, again, yeah, I, I like Calgary here, um, you know, like you said, is a little better than a, than a pick-em. And, and that was before I knew your, uh, your valuation of them from a numbers perspective. Yeah, there you go. We're, 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 on, we're, we're riding this thing together. The one guy I really liked, and, again, I, you know, I've talked about it. I make no sort of bones about it. I don't watch – NHL regular season hockey, right? Like I covered it for a really, really long time where I had to know what was going on. And so I sort of tangentially watched it and I kept, I, you know, keep up with it. I mean, I live in Canada, I live in Toronto. It's kind of impossible not to, but because I'm not willing to sort of go through the grind and, and sweat out shootouts and three on three overtimes, I don't bet regular season hockey. And so I just allow the stats to sort of pile up. And then I evaluate them as objectively as I possibly can, um, you know, Canuck stuff <laughs> removed and, and then kind of go from there. And so, I, you know, then the playoffs come around and I, you know, I'm locked in and it's super fresh. And there are guys that I don't, you know, I didn't sort of know existed in a lot of ways. And one of those guys, and I'm going to botch this name, who was, I thought, really impressive against Winnipeg was Mangiapani. Is that even yeah, close to correct? Andrew Mangiapani, yeah. Yeah, that guy was in the mix constantly. Now, I don't know necessarily like how good of a finish he necessarily has. He was doing more sort of digging and setting up guys. But I'm going to set up, really, this is just a blatant attempt at setting up a uh, promotional clip for later when he does something. But here we go. Andrea Mangiapane is going to make the big difference and score a key goal or set up a key goal, maybe an overtime goal against Dallas and that's going to be the difference in that series Calgary wins it and I think it's worth a decent size bet not necessarily a Winnipeg you know level size bet but at least a unit again maybe another unit and a half two if you really want to get wild so how is that how is that for just a blatant like we'll see what happens if he actually gets an overtime goal or something cool great overtime clip Absolutely great, over, great, uh, <laughs> right. great, great clip. I don't know why it's said overtime, but uh, <laughs> no, because he's I, going to score in overtime. That's that's what's going to happen for sure. Um, all right, so we're both on Calgary. We like it a lot. So this one, the next one, is a little less interesting because I'm not sure I'm going to have anything for it. And that's you know we alluded to it before the Vegas and Chicago series. And this one for me, my numbers came out to Vegas winning the 63 and a half percent of the time which actually isn't the biggest differential. And we'll get to that because that was kind of a surprise for me. But at 63.5%, that equals out to about minus 174, plus 174 in a true market. Obviously, juice and stuff will be factored in if I was making an actual you know, line for a sports book. But the line is actually, I mean, you guys have it last I looked, minus 400 for Vegas and Chicago plus 300. And as much as I would be like, okay, we're NHL players here. And of course, people are going to say, you know, Kane and Taves and all that song and dance. I still, I can't bet it. I mean, obviously I can't bet Vegas. And, and I've talked about on this show, I think Vegas wins the Stanley Cup. I think Vegas is the best team. And I think, you know, I'm not going to say it's not close because this is hockey here, but I think Vegas wins the Stanley Cup this year. Um, 
but I, you know, I can't bet minus 400 and I'm certainly not going to bet against Vegas. So it's not, there's no play for me on this series. Yeah. It's a tough one. Um, even to say they win, you know, minus one and a half games, the juice at our book is minus 175. Yeah, exactly. I think that's discounting Chicago a little bit too much. Um, it's, yeah, the value is certainly on Chicago. It's just I don't think that, you know, I don't even think they have a – I shouldn't say they don't have a chance, but it's just – it's yeah, it's yeah. not. Yeah, for sure. And uh, as far as bets go, we've seen uh, almost a, a split in the number of bets, which is, you know, as a sports book, exactly what you want. Um, but I think people are just – bet like people have bet this down now to uh, Vegas minus 345, Chicago plus 260. So okay. um, I, I do think, and, and that's a kind of a common theme amongst the underdog teams that won the qualifying round. I think they, they're garnering maybe more interest than they should. Not that you yep. shouldn't bet on them, but uh, I'm a little bit surprised at the number of people that are coming in on these teams. So um, Chicago is one of those. And I think it'll be an entertaining series. Uh, but Vegas presents an entirely different challenge to the Chicago Blackhawks than the Edmonton Oilers did. We knew that that was going to be a high-scoring series. We knew that the goaltending and defense uh, and structure was not a strength of the Oilers, and it's, it is a strength of Vegas. And, um, yeah, I think the, the Blackhawks will run into that. But I do think it is important to note that Chicago has, um, you know, you talked earlier about guys that aren't household names. And, yeah, there is Taves and Kane, but they've got some other guys like uh, Dylan Strome and Alex DeBrinkett who are really good players. They've got some defensemen who are coming along. So it, 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 I agree with you. It's a really hard one to handicap. Uh, it's a hard one to put money on because I think Chicago competes here. I don't think they win, and I don't know how to find a smart bet in, in all of that. Um, yeah. One thing here is over five and a half games in the series at minus 125. That might, might play, but mm-hmm. it, it could also be a sweep. So, yeah, with this quick turnaround, uh, I, you know, haven't, you know, I just got all of these numbers in and, and, and computated uh, on late on Monday. So I don't have, you know, I haven't had a chance to sort of go in and go, okay, is there value on, you know, plus one and a half or over five and a half, you know, based on the probabilities of this series going, you know, like you said, over five and a half games, um, you know, so if I have, if I have some time and I can do that, maybe even for the series that start on Wednesday, um, I'll try to do that and get that out on Twitter where possible. Um, yeah. And I'll, you know, everything that you're saying is sort of right in line with, you know, what I've got here. I mean, you know, going in, you know, you knew Chicago was going to be a hot underdog from, you know, sort of a public standpoint, people wanting to bet on them. But the one thing I wanted to mention, and, you know, listen, I, you know, going into that series, I didn't have a bet on Edmonton or Chicago. Um, that number went from like Chicago plus 160 to Chicago plus 130. So everybody in town was jumping on that underdog, right? And so by the time I kind of got around to doing anything with it, the value from an analytical standpoint was really on Edmonton, right? The Chicago value had been sucked right out of it by the market. And that's how the market works, right? A lot of the times. And so but the thing is, so, you know, you have a lot of these people who are going like, yeah, I called the upset and, you know, everybody sent, you know, putting the receipts out mm-hmm. and okay. It's like, oh, did you do it at plus 130? Because that's not really a great bet. Like it worked out for you. Whereas plus 160, 
you know, obviously is a really good bet because part of what we're doing here is we analyze our bets by sort of what the closing number was, right? Did you beat the market? Mm -hmm. And the thing is with that series, while everybody pats themselves on the back, from an analytic standpoint, that ended up being one of the most incredible anomalies from an analytic standpoint to a series with Chicago winning that. And I don't think people, you know, would will ever look back and go, well, like, you know, why? Like, what are you talking about? And, you know, it's just the numbers are boggling, right? So like Edmonton, for instance, right? What I talked about on the preview, they had the biggest special teams advantage. So if there was ever a time where I was going to factor in special teams, it was because Edmonton would you know, had a 0.4 goal per game advantage in special teams, right? And then there's so many power plays in that series, right? It was crazy how often both teams are going to the box. That advantage should have resulted in a 1.27, so basically a goal and a quarter uh, advantage for Edmonton per game. And because Edmonton was both, you know, lackluster from the power play and not very good killing the penalty, it actually only ended up being a quarter of a goal per game, which Chicago was able to make up by, you know, being about a half goal better per game, uh, five on five, which in and of itself was a surprise that Chicago was better from a goal scoring standpoint. So when I talk about these series, you know, you're going to have your outliers, right, where things just don't line up at all. And there's some that lined up actually really, really accurately. Obviously, Montreal was one of those. But, you know, people just go, yeah, Chicago and, you know, whatever. Like, I knew that was going to happen. It's like, I don't think people understand what had to go right for that to happen. And obviously, if you're just watching the games, especially in uh, was the pivotal game three, where you had sort of two point shots, both kind of getting deflected and just really sort of random, fluky, classic, like hockey type goals where it's like that was sort of the the picture the image of how fluky and random this kind of stuff can be whereas you know there's actual stats to back it up and and again now you've got chicago rolling into you know against vegas and it's just going to be i think a comeuppance for chicago so you know not betting vegas because again that number is insane and i you know i respect and understand that chicago has value here because everybody in the NHL would have value at plus 300 or better. Um, but it's just, to me, a complete stay away across the board. Now, here's the big boy. You ready for this one? Let's have and it. I think, I think you know where we're going with this because it's the only, game, um, only series left in the Western Conference, Colorado and Arizona. And I'll put it this way. Again, I test, um, you know, branding-wise, history, et cetera, et cetera. You know, I kind of go into this and go, if I was a fan, before I look at these numbers, what would, what would I make the probabilities, right? Like I always say, it's a good exercise, whether we're talking about basketball or football, to guess the point spread, right? And then go from there. Mm -hmm. And for, you know, for money lines, you know, I translate them into probabilities and I tell people, you know, listen, go into a series and say, all right, what do you think the probability is of Colorado beating uh arizona so like for you what do you like in your mind what probability would you sort of work out in your head for colorado and arizona like you asked me that off the top of my head i've got colorado winning this series like maybe better than nine out of ten times <laughs> yeah so i and i i'm a little bit more sort of like conservative from that standpoint and so even i was like I think like Colorado's going to win this like 80% of the time, just right. sort of based on my first blanche. 
And I knew that was high because no team's ever going to really mathematically be favored at 80, you know, 80%, right? These are two still two playoff teams that, you know, weren't that far away from each other in the standings. And I start cooking up the numbers and, you know, same stuff that I plug in for the Calgary series, same stuff that I plug in for the Vancouver stuff that we all, you know, are, are liking a lot. And it cranks out that Colorado is only about a 53% chance at winning this series. Wow. Yeah. And so I'm like, oh boy, here we go. Because obviously with the Montreal thing is really cool because yeah, like I called it and yada, yada, yada. And it's like, I don't, you know, if you were a big Seinfeld fan, I hope you were. Um, but remember the episode where, you know, George sort of decides he's going to leave after every time he makes a good joke. Of course. Yeah. And, you're right. So he, like he realizes people are laughing and then he's like, all right, I'm out of here. And then like just leaves Jerry's apartment, like, you know, yeah. uh, on the spot. And that's kind of what I would wish I could do with the Montreal series where it's like, all right, see you later, everybody. Like, good night, high note, whatever. And now I'm sitting here going like, oh my God, I got to put the reputation, so to speak, back on the Arizona Coyotes. Oh, wow. And I, and I don't mean that I want to, but again, this is sort of the same attitude that I had with Montreal where it was like, you know, I just kind of have to do it. And now we're looking at plus 240, Plus, I'm even seeing a plus 250 and change uh, at one spot. And yeah, like that's an automatic bet. Again, not one that I'm expecting to win. And, you know, if there's anything people can sort of glean from this is that, you know, we're not expecting to win our bets. Even in these series bets, I know I essentially went six and two in the series um, bets because you know i sort of talked myself well i shouldn't say talk myself in but i got a decent number with edmonton after they lost game one and you know i took a shot with the wild when they were plus 115 and that ended up being you know i think then might have gone off as a favorite in that series so that was you know the right bet to make at the time it just didn't work out so you know and especially at plus 200 it's like guys you know this isn't going to work out. I promise you they're not going to win the series. But mathematically, it's a bet that needs to be made. Give it to me. Well, before we got into this series, just as you were finishing up talking about the previous one, I went in and made a bet on Colorado minus two and a half on the spread. <laughs> plus 170. So yeah, I don't hate it. I yeah. mean, you know. I, I don't know that Arizona takes two or more games from – from this Colorado team, but this is where our approaches clash, right? Because I look at a Colorado team that is stacked up front. They've got some stud defensemen. Um, The only question mark I have with the Avalanche is in net. And I just don't like, uh, to me, Arizona winning that first round against the dysfunctional Nashville team does not translate to them having success against who is my Stanley cup favorite, the Colorado Avalanche. Yeah. And I like, listen, I, there's nothing I can say. Like, I'm not going to, I can't disagree. Right. Like I, I liked Arizona bec- in the first round because I'm like, I think Nashville's way overrated because of their sort of recent history. These two teams are essentially right in the middle of the pack when it comes to the numbers that I'm, I work with and that Arizona actually has a significant advantage of, in goal. Of course, I also thought Rene would get the start and they still had an advantage in goal with Saros, but not as significantly as if, uh, if Rene had started. And, 
and you know that ended up working out but at no point were you sitting there watching that series going like oh one of these teams you know the coyotes really got a chance to go a long way which again is why from an eye test standpoint i was like i'm gonna be on colorado like even if it's minus 200 you know da 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 da, and then it opens up and it's like 300 or in the high 200s and i was like oh no and, you know, that's going to be a lot to pay. And then I run the numbers and it's way lower than I think it's going to be. And the reality is, like, from a number standpoint, it's Colorado's favorite, of course, because, you know, they're in the back end of the top 10 in both, you know, offense and defense from an expected goals standpoint, five on five. But Arizona is like 19 and 16 in each. And they actually, in their games, get a better high danger chance percentage than Colorado does. And for my numbers, I think that's going to skew it a fair amount when, you know, you kind of average it out and it's not by a ton. It's literally going to be like 50.5 to 49.5 from a high danger scoring chance situation. Um, So, yeah, but it just, it's sort of, you know, obviously Colorado's favored. They should be favored. They're going to win the series more often, probably more often than my numbers suggest. But the, you know, the series line suggests a 73% chance that Colorado wins the series, which of course is close to our 80%, right? And so I get why those that series price is, right? Like I expect the series price to be closer to what my, um, you know, watching my eye test suggests than it, you know, than it ever will be in the numbers. But that's where the value is, right? Like that's where the difference is in you know, winning these bets, right? It's by following the numbers, the sort of stuff that's like hard and fast. And Colorado, I think, had some injury issues this season. They didn't have a great season, maybe up to expectations, especially how they looked last year in the playoffs. Um, You know, so that could depress it a little bit as well. But like, we're talking about like an 18%, you know, value edge here that Arizona, you know, would have to would have to give up to Colorado just because a couple of guys are you know a little bit healthier than than maybe you know they were in the regular season. Yeah, I mean, I, I see where you're coming from. Just uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree with you on this one. Yeah, and you know what? You're, and <laughs> I you're see the thing right. is, I feel bad. I have nothing to come back with because you have all these numbers, right? But uh, <laughs> I I just I can see the rationale, but mm. I I um. You know, they're playing this series well, once, the, and I'm going to take fun the part. I think wins, yeah. Yeah, and that's the fun part, and that's the cool thing about all of this, right, is, you know, like, yeah, if we were sitting around at a bar right now and going, like, who do you think is going to win the series? I'm going to be like, Colorado, of course, right? Yeah. It's just over the course of a 1,000, 10,000 bets that I'm going to make in my lifetime, right? That's the attitude I have to have as a professional sports better, that, you know, I'm, you know, it's not just – you know, I joke about putting my reputation on the line about this because that's not really what's going on here. I'm putting my livelihood on the line and not just in this game, but in, over the course of, say, 10,000 bets. Right. And it's just the way the numbers work out. You know, if this was the only bet that I made and I made it 10,000 times, I would you know, leave being profitable. Well, they're not going to play it 10,000 times. They're only going to play it one time. So yeah, you're probably going to be right. And I'm fine with that. Right. But that's the thing. If it ends up being relatively close, uh, the last thing I would want is to be like on Colorado at minus 300 and be going like, I can't believe I'm paying three, you know, to one here to, you know, for this team. And we're in overtime in game one and, you know, blah, 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 blah. 
Well, so, that's for sure. And I would never, ever lay minus 286 on Colorado, right? I would never Yeah, but you it. found a creative way to get around that. Yeah. And I love, and I like that. And that's good advice for people, you know, as they listen to this podcast and go, you know, you don't have to lay that price. And if you think it's, you know, your attitude is essentially, listen, I think Colorado's going to win. I'm not going to pay that price. But I think it, they're going to win so significantly that I'm not going to have to worry about a game seven. Because if you ever thought that you were going to have to worry about a game seven, then you have to bet Arizona oh, at that definitely. point. Oh, definitely. Any like right? anyone getting that kind of number on one game, yes, absolutely. Yeah. 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 So um, completely reasonable. Kind of fun that you you like Colorado to win the cup. I like Vegas, or at least to make the cup. I like Vegas to make the cup. Um, we will keep an eye on that for I, future and I, uh, podcasts. And I don't know if it's too late to make a Western Conference final Vegas Colorado bet. Although the value probably wouldn't be all that great on it anyway. Uh, you mean sort of between the two of us, or you mean just like in the oh, futures no, market? I mean like to, to bet the exact matchup. I know we don't. Oh, I see. We don't have it up right now, but uh, on our Stanley Cup odds, Colorado and Vegas tied at the top at six to one, uh, tied at the top at Western Conference at two and a half to one. Yeah, I mean, by and large, the ship has sort of sailed when it comes to. I mean, I would make the case when it comes to the futures market entirely. I know that's not really great for your business to say like don't even bother with it but like you you know i will say hey go to cool bet and roll over the series prices yeah I you know mean, like do that guys like don't necessarily go to the futures market still go to cool bet still bet and roll over the futures prices i think that'll work out better for you whether you're going favorites across the board whether you're going you know for an underdog you know i certainly like calgary to make some noise here you know especially if they get past dallas um, in the Western Conference, but again, like I'm not, you know, I'm pretty sure we can do better than what eight or nine to one, which is what it is now. Absol- no, you're absolutely right. Like the smart thing to do is to pay attention and bet game to game or series to series. Um, and I think the people who bet futures now are just, um, you know, happy to get their money in and hope. Like it's not a yeah. The, that's your your average gambler um, still wants to get in on it, but you're right from purely a where's the value at um, with so few games uh, remaining in, in comparison to earlier in the year. Uh, yes, you're absolutely right there. Yeah. It just takes a little effort and, you know, people aren't necessarily willing to make that effort and they're not willing to sort of do the math either, you know, because there's a lot of hypothetical, you know, series money line prices and having to factor all of that in. And I'm like, listen, I completely get that. It's but a lot easier like, to say, Hey man, I got 50 bucks on these guys to do this. Hey gang, we'll be right back with Chris Abbott and the Eastern Conference of the NHL preview in a second. I do want to hop in and talk to you about my guy Neil over at Hundo P Productions. He put together these fun promotional videos for my podcast with Chad Millman from about a month ago during the shutdown. Go back and check those out. Uh, You can find the videos on Twitter and various social media feeds. He did a really great job over at Hundo P Productions, uh, www.hundopproductions.com, on Instagram at Hundo P Prod. Check him out. Don't just post, inspire. Okay, so let's get into the Eastern Conference then. Uh, obviously, I got to start with Montreal Philly just because I'm vain. Um, so we're going to, you know, but at the same time, like we pat, we got to pat ourselves on the back for calling the Philly to win the one seed, you know, when we when we spoke about that. So really, you know, 
I was looking forward to this series, right? I was like, you know, if Philadelphia could, you know, they could win the one seed, we get paid out on that. And Montreal, uh, you know, obviously if they can get in that, you know, that helps, you know, obviously my series bet, my, my 49 to one for them to win, win the East. And I feel like that will be a decent matchup for Montreal. So I am kind of bummed out with what my numbers spewed out. And that is that Philadelphia is actually a 62 and a half percent uh, probability to win this series. And I was really kind of hoping it would chew out something a little closer to like the Colorado, Arizona type numbers or the St. Louis, Vancouver numbers. That's what I was sort of expecting here. Um, I'm going to be betting Montreal in this series because, I mean, it's a little pot committed. There's also at least a tiny bit of value in that. Of course, those percentages work out to minus 167 uh, or plus 167 as a true number before we you know, talk about you know, changing it up for juice if I was running a sports book. Um, and Montreal is you know, around 180, 185 here. So, again, not a ton of edge, right? It's only like a 2% type of an edge with this number so you know everybody can sort of beep beep back it up and not like go absolutely nuts on the habs this time around um so we're gonna you know we'll bet it because i feel like the numbers are a little bit depressed by you know we talked about how low of a high danger chance uh, rate that Montreal was converting on during the regular season, right? It was literally the worst in the league, 9.9%, just totally brutal. And there were points in that series where I was like, yep, totally get why they're 9.9% as they'd missed like chance after chance after chance, but they got, you know, just enough, 10 even strength goals to Pittsburgh's five even strength goals, which is going to win you a series every single time. And, you know, they obviously converted at least better than 9.9%, right? They didn't get 100 high danger scoring chances five on five. So if they keep up a rate that is a little bit more in line with sort of league average here, then yeah, my numbers for them will shoot up. And that of course creates value as you know it ceases to be a 2.5 percentage and becomes a bit better than that. So I will bet it for that reason. I will also bet it because again, the numbers factor in a pretty mediocre season from Carey Price. And that was a little concerning, obviously, going into a series with the Penguins. And while he made me a little bit nervous at times, um, because he just plays that style, like a really athletic, he's moving a lot type of a style, um, that made me nervous, but he played great. And if we're getting, you know, a Carey Price that is top 10 even, then that's going to make, you know, that's going to create some value that isn't, you know, churned out in these numbers as well, right? And so that's kind of what we're looking for. We're looking for a regression to the mean from the Habs offense. We got it in the first round, and we were looking for a regression to the mean uh, or a progression, if you will, from Carey Price's career, and we got that from Carey Price. And so that led to the upset. And if we get both of those things here, I think that could lead to the upset again against Philadelphia. What's uh, what do you say? What does the sports book say? What do you think? Uh, so, firstly, from the sports book perspective, uh, Montreal plus one eighty five, Philly minus two twenty two. That's where it's open. That's where it sits right now. We have taken about six times as many bets on the Flyers as we have the Canadians. Wow, but the money, the bets we're seeing on Montreal are bigger. Mm. Um, so that usually, not always, indicates mm-hmm. 
the quote unquote smart money, right? So yep. um, that's what we're seeing there. And that's, and that's what you're saying. Me, from, uh, from my perspective, I don't know that I can bet this series at all. And the reason is, I think even though they won the first round, Pittsburgh had its chances to step on their throat in game three and four. They did not. Yep. Um, their Pittsburgh's goaltending was suspect. And then even when it got to the final game, uh, it looked to me like the Penguins players were just completely disinterested. Um, you can make the argument that they were being shut down and frustrated by Montreal, but uh, you know I thought that uh, Pittsburgh really just did not give an effort, uh, almost like they were they were resigned. Like you know what, we'll pick this up next year. Like I felt like after they blew that game um, in game was it game three they they had the game blew it up. Game three, yeah, yeah, yeah it was three one, right? Yeah, and they could have went up four or five to one, and then and then the series is over um, in my mind. But like to me, as someone who's been in those dressing rooms before, not the NHL level, certainly, unfortunately, <laughs> um, <laughs> I feel like that was a situation where and, and guys who have played and gals who have played team sports will know this. Like sometimes the the attitude just gets sucked out of you and there's some negativity and you know then they try the goalie change Matt Murray who's won two Stanley Cups for them is now on the bench and it looked like there was a split or a divide amongst that Pittsburgh roster and and they didn't give an effort so what I'm getting at here is I don't think Montreal played the best version of the Pittsburgh Penguins Um, I think they're going to get the best version of the Philadelphia Flyers and of course you know I don't need to make too much of an argument here because Philadelphia is a big favorite in this series so um I I am on the Flyers here, but I, I don't know how to bet it yet, right? So like Flyers series price minus two twenty two, Flyers to win in six or fewer games minus one twenty five, Montreal to push it to seven games plus one hundred five. Um, yeah, it's it's a tough one for me. I I don't see Montreal winning this series. Like I think they put everything they had into beating Pittsburgh and. Uh, I, I just don't know that it's going to work against this Flyers club that's got a lot to prove. Like Pittsburgh, but that Pittsburgh group has been to the top of the mountain. Um, you know, if things didn't work out, um, okay, so be it. But Philadelphia is kind of primed right now, and as Giroux and Voracek get older, um, you know, I think this group has a lot to prove, and they have a. If you, if you listen to like. Um, say spit and chicklets, for example, when Kevin Hayes is on and you hear the camaraderie amongst this Flyers team. Like I, I really take a lot of stock in that kind of stuff. So hmm. I, I like the Flyers to win this series, which is why I wouldn't put money on Montreal. Um, but I don't know how to bet it um, right now. I, I mean, hopefully for me, Montreal wins game one and then I can bet the Flyers afterwards. Okay. That's, that would be my plan. But as of right now, um, I, I don't have a, a, a solid play to offer. Like I'm looking at like some player point totals or something like that, or I don't know. It, it, yeah. You're, getting, in, right you're getting into the deep recesses of the prop market at that point, which means, yeah. which means I should probably walk away. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Take a game, you know, like you said, take a game and yeah, if you can get a better price and you feel like, you know, Montreal sort of pulled one out in game one and you didn't get a better price on Philly, go ahead and do that. Listen again, 62.5% for me that Philadelphia will win the series, which, you know, you'll recall is way higher than I gave Pittsburgh, 
right? Based on the numbers, right? right. Like that yeah. one was, right? Like that one to me was basically a coin flip and we were getting two to one on our money, right? So that's a bet, a big bet that you have to make every time. Whereas with this Philly team, you're right, you know? And again, this, you know, as I sort of flip the page to my, you know, former hockey player type mind, you know, watching hockey type, you know, eye test type thing. It's yeah, like Philly is a hungrier team than Pittsburgh is right now. And I and I'll never forget sort of watching again, I was sort of go back to the Canucks because that was such an epic run that they had over the course of, you know, four or five years where kind of everything happened to them, right? And you sort of saw it sort of peter out at the end. And, you know, getting into a handshake line after losing to like Calgary. And the guys are like smiling and, you know, whatever, whatever. And it's like they kind of knew that their run was over. Um, There was a relief in a way that, you know, that they had the whole summer off in a way. Right. And you go like and you go. It was at that moment, I guess I realized, wait a second, in no other profession, if you, you know, fail, do you get a giant amount of vacation time and you still get to come back the next day. Right. It was like, I was sitting there and I was like, and I never met Kevin Bieksa actually, who is a great, you know, I think he's doing a great job on TV right now, but I'm watching him in the, in the handshake line. He's just been getting beat up, you know, by Michael Furlan the entire series and they lose and he's, you know, smiling or whatever. And I was like, Oh, right. This guy's still a millionaire who gets the rest of the summer off. And who's been, you know, had rubber bullets fired at him for about six straight years in, you know, late May and June. And, you know, it's like, yeah, I'd be kind of stoked to have the summer off, too, because I still have my job. I'm still coming back to it. And now I have extra time off. And you have to, you know, people forget these guys are human. And so with Pittsburgh, you know, you see them lose to the Islanders last year. And it's not like it there's really literally no skin off the nose of Sidney Crosby. The guy's a legend, like first ballot hall of famer. No one's going to go like, ah, he did lose to the Islanders that year, <laughs> you know, when they're talking about his career and not that he wasn't giving it 110. He was the only guy I would, you know, who scared me at any point in that, in that series. But, you know, even if you go to the next level with Malkin or Latang or some of these other guys and you go, yeah, these guys have proven from a career standpoint, all they needed to, all they need to prove. Whereas Philly on the other side is and they already look you know of any of the teams i would say maybe other than vegas but even vegas you know had some sketchy moments in that round robin but that philly team like looked like they came to play and i got a ton of respect for alain vino and um you know getting that team ready so again that's you know sort of from a hockey standpoint i'm with you in that you know sort of anecdotal analysis going like yeah like i wouldn't go nuts with montreal here um i just think like again from a statistical standpoint we do have to put a unit on montreal and kind of hope for the best yeah i respect that uh and don't think elan vigno does not want to beat the montreal canadians either like for sure you know french guy uh coach there uh so it's uh you know and he's from quebec city initially so he's already got that born in hatred for uh, yep. for Montreal, he's probably a Nordiques guy growing up. I'm making that up, but <laughs> sure, uh, it know. helps the story. It helps the story. <laughs> it helps the narrative, right? Our yeah, favorite for the narrative sure, for sure. So, right. um, yeah. So I, I just my hope here, what I would like to do is see Montreal win Game One, and then I could pound Philly. I'd, you'd probably get them. It'd still probably be like a minus one thirty, minus one forty. It um, could be, but it, it'd yeah. be a better number. Yeah, 
Yeah. Uh, all right. So let's move on. Washington and the Islanders here. The Capitals and the Islanders here. Really obviously interesting narrative with um, Barry Trotz facing his former team. We were kind of hoping we were going to get that at some point last year. I think like this is super vague memory here, but I think there was almost a circumstance where they were going going to face each other in the first round and they came down to the last day or something. I might have made that up as much as you made up the Nordiques thing. Um, but we didn't get it, and it worked out for the Islanders, didn't work out for Washington. So here are my numbers. Uh, I've got Washington as about a minus 125 favorite here, and the Islanders plus 125. Again, pure number, no juice. And, you know, that's not that far off right from what the actual number is uh last i looked you guys had the islanders at plus 135 so again not a ton of value um you know two percent essentially worth of value there uh but for me washington is a fade like that's what i was going into this playoff as and nothing from the uh round robin certainly dissuaded me from that um you know, I talked about how there's a bunch of big name goaltenders who ranked at the bottom this season in goals saved above average, right? And the list of those guys were Murray, Rene, Bobrovsky, and Holtby. Well, three of those guys are out already. One guy didn't even get a chance to play. And Holtby's actually at the bottom of that list as essentially like you know, I think 66 goalies qualify and I think he's like 65th essentially. And so obviously a big name, a guy who's won a Stanley cup, et cetera, et cetera. But that just creates the value in fading him. The Islanders are better in both expected goals for and expected goals against. And while Washington edges them in the high danger chance conversion rate, you know, it's not by much. Um, So for me, again, not a massive edge, but, I'm just going to be taking the Islanders here because I think the Islanders win this series. I I think I I've been converted to like a New York Islanders fan. Like I love, okay, I love the way they play. Um, I have immense respect for Barry Trotz. It was the biggest bet I made in the qualifying round on the series, and I never felt like it was in jeopardy at all. Right, even when Florida won that one game, you're like, eh, it seemed fluky. Yeah, I mean, this Islanders team plays in a way that is going to really frustrate the style of Washington's forwards. John Carlson, who is a game-breaker, has been injured. And you're right, Braden Holpe, when he's not on, he, he is not on. I would not be surprised to see Ilya Samsonov in this series. Um, mm-hmm. However... I was kind of hoping to get a better price on the Islanders here. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, plus 135 is, nah, you could almost convince me to, to lay it with Washington. Um, it, it's, again, it's a tough one. Um, I love the Islanders, but I'm not, I, I don't know. Like, everything screams that the Isles style will frustrate the Caps the same way that Carolina did, you know, last year. Um, and, and they'll come out on the other end. And, you know, will uh, Ilya Kovalchuk and Alex Ovechkin and Evgeny Kuznetsov, like you've got all these Russian guys who are not going to like what they're going to have to do to have success here. Um, sure. And I think this might be a series where um, Washington is getting that extra favorite uh, push because of their ability to score on the power play, right? When you, have a John Carlson and Alex Ovechkin, Ilya Kovalchuk. So when you're talking five on five, um, I really like the Islanders here, and that's probably enough to tip it in their favor. 
um, for me. But I don't know. I don't know if I'll, I'll bet it at all. I don't know. I'll, I'll have to wait and see. Um, yeah, it, it's a tight one. So as the eye test, you know, hockey, you know, um, it's not a narrative circumstance thing. But as that guy, if I threw out to you, is there anybody on earth who would know how to prevent an Alex Ovechkin one-timer better than Barry Trotz? No, what would you say? It means right? So like, if anybody knows, having years of having other teams just throw a bunch of different stuff at them defensively, and, you know, he knows better than anybody, like, that's where Ovechkin scores the goals. And, you know, it's almost sort of not trial by error or whatever, but, like, trial by fire in a way over the last, you know, I don't know how long there he was there, what, a decade it, feel, it felt like. Uh, you know, so it, it, there's no, nor obviously, no stats or analytics to back that up. But, you know, if there's one guy who's had to, who's seen it all and can take, you know, it's almost like in basketball where it's like, yeah, I do remember this one team tried to triangle and two defense on us. And it was the only thing that worked. And now all of a sudden, you know, that guy's on a completely different team. And, and uh, yeah, so again, completely anecdotal, but I think that Ovechkin could struggle here if the Islanders can put that, you know, a plan in place as best you can against Ovechkin. But I think they literally can do the best job possible against that type of guy and by the way we just talked about pittsburgh sort of being a little bit fat and happy you know there's a decent chance washington still you know feels like they've done all they've needed to do right from a career standpoint so they fall a little bit more into that pittsburgh category than that philly you know super hungry category right no absolutely and i I believe the the coaching advantage is big in this series with trots over reardon um and i think Something else to to really consider here is that Barry Trotz may have been the first coach to be able to penetrate the brain of Alexander Ovechkin. A lot of guys tried. Dale Hunter sure. had moderate success but didn't last. And if Barry Trotz knows how to get inside Ovechkin's head in a positive perspective, he'll certainly know how to do it to rattle his cage a bit. And you're right, these one-timers, uh, this is exactly what the Islanders want. They want you to play on the perimeter because they, they clog up the middle and block shots. You know, just ask all the teams yep. that have had, had trouble scoring against them. And this, the Florida Panthers and Washington Capitals are, are similar in that regard. They have a lot of high-powered offensive forwards, but not necessarily guys that are going to go to the blue paint, um, which is where you need to go to score goals against this Islanders team on second and third chances. Um, so if the Islanders players can survive blocking all those shots, um, we already know Johnny Boychuk is, is banged up a little bit. Um, yeah, I think, I think I'd be convinced here that the Islanders are a good play. Um, yeah. Do you think uh, when they see each other in the off season on like a, you know, these players association golf tournaments or something like that, that Tom Wilson and Matthew Kachuk's, do the like Spider-Man meme where they're both pointing at each other <laughs> as, as you know, like, aren't, aren't they the exact same player? They are. Uh, uh, Tom Wilson's, I, th- I feel like Wilson's a little more reckless. Um, but from, yeah, I mean, historically. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. Anyway, I just thought it would, since we talked about Kachuk, it felt we need to at least m- mention Tom Wilson since, um, you know, he is that guy for them. He so, is, but the Islanders also have what I consider to be the best fourth line in hockey, Cal Clutterbuck and Matt Martin. Well, they've got like so many guys down there, Leo Komarov, yeah. Casey Zizekas. So they can play that game with you too. 
You know? Yeah, they're going to roll four lines. They're going to get after you. It's like it, that's that line is even. It's almost like is that even a fourth line at this point? Like to me, that line plays more. You know, like that can't be the fourth most minutes right, right. from a forward line on that team. So right. it's like you know they sort of gained a reputation as a fourth line, but it's like. I feel like they play a lot more than maybe, you know, whomever the Islanders third line necessarily is. And it's probably, like you said, Komarov and those types of guys. Yeah, so, certainly a very effective line. Like, uh, oh, yeah. every successful team needs those guys and they love their role. And, uh, I, you know, maybe I, I love it because I, I played that way a little bit too when I, you know, had uh, my, my listen far from the NHL career. But I, I know how important those guys are to the team. And, uh, yeah, I, 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 again, I think I'm an Islanders fan. I can't believe it. Nassau Chris. Nassau <laughs> Chris is on the line with us here today. Uh, let's, see, let's see if you're Columbus Chris as well here. So this one, I alluded to it before. Um, this, to me, of course, is the hot upset pick, at least definitely on the east side, but probably overall, right? And I will probably still bet it. But the numbers, I trust, do not love this. This is the biggest discrepancy from an analytic standpoint, five on five, all of that stuff, from this season. I think I understand why that is, but it's a 67.6% chance of Tampa Bay winning this series. And which, you know, works out to a minus 230, you know, value point um on tampa bay or excuse me a minus 209 value point on tampa bay but it's minus 230 out in the market so you know my numbers are 209 each way if i was if i was a sports book i you know obviously once you factor in juice i would you know make my line minus 230 which is exactly where it is so there's essentially no value um from a betting standpoint on either side and that's not what i expected to see now obviously, and this is where you sort of come in here and tell me how I'm supposed to massage this, but obviously Columbus had a ton of injuries this season, which depresses their numbers, and Tampa Bay isn't exactly the most healthy squad here uh, with Stamkos and probably Hedman, at least for the first game, um, you know, not healthy. Yeah, and again, you've got to... Uh, Columbus team that feels like they can beat the world right now. You know, they, sure. they rolled into Toronto and, and listen, that series went five games, but barring, you know, that miraculous last four minutes and, uh, you know, maybe a, a couple of brain farts by Columbus in game four, that series is over and done with. And we're, and, and it's even worse. Uh, both of us are here in Toronto. It's even worse in Toronto uh, <laughs> after the right, game yeah. four than if, if they didn't have that modicum of success. So, um, yeah, I think this Columbus team. So, okay, first of all, if there's a team that is similar to the Leafs, it's Tampa Bay. Yeah. Um, in terms of style of play, so Columbus won't have to adjust too too much. We know that Columbus already knocked Tampa Bay out last year, and sure. there is something to consider though is that Tampa Bay after that went out and they got Blake Coleman from New Jersey, who's I think underrated, a real good bottom six guy. Barkley Goodrow from San Jose, and of course Patrick Maroon from the yep. St. Louis Blues. So they addressed the um, the kind of grit factor that the Maple Leafs um, maybe one day will address. Maybe Brian Burke will be the GM again. Who knows? Um, oh they they can't seem to find the right mix there. Um, but anyhow, that's another podcast. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I think at almost two to one, uh, it's hard not to take Columbus here. I uh, I can see them getting the job done. 
Um, obviously, Steven Stamkos has been hurt for what seems like 15 years. Um, yeah. Victor Hedman is a stud, but if he's not able to go, that does leave a hole in the blue line. Um, and But Andre Vasilevsky is one of the best goaltenders in the league. So, yep. again, I think you've got the contrast of styles because you've still got, you know, your Braden Points, Tyler Johnsons, Anthony Sorelli, these guys who are, are offensively highly skilled players, um, Nikita Kucherov, of course, and they, they will get the bulk of ice time for John Cooper's team. Uh, John Cooper's a smart coach. John Tortorella's a smart coach. I, I, don't, I don't know per se what's going to happen here, but I think betting the under in the games might be, uh, might be a play. And I don't mean total games. I mean the under on the total of goals in games. I think this will be a low-scoring right. series, even though we kind of characterize Tampa Bay as a high-scoring team. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. And listen, Tampa Bay, obviously, like you said about the goaltending, great. Um, their expected goals against numbers uh, align with that as well, right? So like they don't just rely on their goaltender the way that some of these teams do who, you know, are quote unquote under teams, right? And that's why that's why the, the analytics love Tampa Bay so much, right? Like eighth in the league in offense, ninth in the league in defense from an expected goals five on five element, obviously a pretty good power play. Um, and they get 60%. It's by far the most 60% of the high danger chances in all of their games. And they have a goaltender who is right there in the top five in the, in my GSAA, my favorite little metric there. And so I think what I would do is I would play Columbus, but in game one, I think I'd skip the series price because I, you know, there just isn't value from a number standpoint. And I rather just take Columbus in game one, you're sacrificing a little bit in that you're, you know, it's a plus 150 and not a plus 190. But again, game one is their best chance to get them. Right. So, you know, obviously you're coming off of a hard fought series where Tampa sort of sashayed their way through that round robin. And, you know, at 150, I rather just take that money in, in winning game one. Obviously, if I like Columbus for the series, I expect them to win game one. So I might as well just take game one, maybe even put a little bit of extra on game one. So instead of going one unit on the series, one unit on game one maybe one and a half to two units on that game one, even if a guy like Stamkos is playing, like he might not be super, you know, locked in just yet. And if Hedman's playing, you know, he might be still banged up a little bit. It's the best chance that you're going to get. And I'd rather just kind of take that money after that first game and then sort of evaluate things as they go on throughout the rest of the series. Well, while you were talking about that, I hammered Columbus money line for game one, which is three Eastern today. Um, and I took an alternate under of five goals at plus 130. So there you we go. go. go Jack. I like it. I like both of those things. Um, I, I, I will tell one quick story because we should get this uh, wrapped up relatively soon because there is a game starting in like three and a half hours. Um, and this, this is just more sort of gambling jinx type stuff. Um, you know, things went so well in that, you know, based on my preview for all of this. And I just started putting together, like I've been playing around with this app that puts together little promotional audio clips and so the the blue jackets are up three nothing in that game four and i'm like oh better fire up the app and grab a clip and so i'm literally sitting there like with my headphones in like finding the clip saying you know bet columbus blah 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 and i'm just watching 
not even listening because again I've got the earphones in just watching the Leafs pour in three goals <laughs> and I just sort of quietly took the headphones out after the third goal and just was like yeah maybe we just wait till all games finish before we start firing up the promotional clips for the podcast <laughs> the Homer Simpson back into the hedge <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly just the saddest guy like slowly taking his earbuds out of his phone and just going like I pretty much know what's going to happen here in overtime but um, saved it up and fired it up once uh, game five was ready to go so yeah that's how i played i think game one and then you know you just sort of see what happens from there um yeah a little bit bummed out that there wasn't the value that i kind of hoped that there would be um but especially since i think the public and i should ask you is is the public on columbus like what what betting percentages are we getting from that yeah series? for sure so um this is actually one of the uh, the series that has the fewest bets on it um oh. right now uh st louis vancouver and tampa bay columbus have kind of the fewest bets but uh yeah we're seeing uh almost twice as many bets on the blue jackets as we are on the lightning on the series price yeah Yeah. right and so like i you know i and i use the market type stuff a lot more for the nfl than i do you know all these sort of other series but i mean massive red flag anytime an underdog is getting more bets than the favorite right we all expect the favorite to get more bets maybe not more money necessarily but more bets and when it's not the case you know i was i use the phrase the block is too hot right and the block might be a little too hot on columbus but again when you factor in all these injuries and you know how the metrics could be skewed uh who knows so let's uh let's finish it up i believe this is the last series yeah i'm doing the math here um boston and carolina Really interesting series. I tweeted out yesterday, my very first series bet was on CoolBet, Carolina plus 145, by far the best line out there on a series that I have 52.6% of the time Boston will win this series. Probably a little bit low for what people are sort of thinking out there. Uh, That translates to a minus 111 plus 111 true line. And of course the number is, you know, plus 145 last I looked on CoolBet and minus 172 for Boston. Has that changed? Yeah, people are hammering the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, yeah. It's now plus 130 and minus 154. Um, right. So, again, lots – yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Sorry. The biggest risk we have in the entire first round is now on the Carolina Hurricanes. The most bets we've had on any team is on the Carolina Hurricanes. And uh, I'm with it because, you know, this team – I went from trying to fade, saying last year was a fluke, to now I'm like, they could be a dark horse for the Stanley Cup. They've got the skill up front. They've got a really good decor that should get Dougie Hamilton back at some point. And Peter Morazic is proving that he was not a flash in the pan last year. Um, they work their, I don't know what the, the rating is, so I'm going to say they work their butts off. <laughs> and um, and they, they model their game after their head coach. Like, I fully believe that a big reason for the way they play as hard as they do is that Rob Brindamore is probably out there in practice, like blocking shots in his tracksuit. Sure. You know, battling guys. With his face. Yeah. Like he is an absolute dog and he could probably still play. Like if they needed a guy, I'd say he could put on his gear and jump in the lineup and be just fine. Um, And I think that goes a long way. They have, especially the, the fact that they have a young team. And, I, and so many of these young guys, so I, I want to go off on a tangent and drop Do it in one time, but I was at a, a coaching conference one time, and one of the presenters was Mike Keenan. And 
I had the fortune to get a one-on-one conversation with him for about an hour because the post-conference kind of party was at a bar that I was managing. And he used to manage a bar in university. And that's all he wanted to talk about was (laughs) bar management. Uh, So here I am talking about like... uh, you know, the best way to measure the alcohol at the end of the night with Mike Keenan. So um, <laughs> I won his trust for that evening anyhow. And I was asking him, you know, because he'd, he'd been around for so long, what the biggest difference was coaching then versus now. And he said that these guys make so much more than I do that if they don't want to listen to me, they don't, they don't, you know, or they tell sure. the owner, like, I'm not playing for this guy, move along kind of thing. So the players basically have way more power than he when he was like Iron Mike back in the day. Yeah. But one of the ways you can get the respect of these players, no matter what they make, is if you can go out and prove. Uh, and Rob Brindamore has done that with his playing career, and he can. That's what I mean. He's still in such good shape that he can go out and prove to them like he can walk the walk, right? Yeah. He's not just um, he's not Ken Hitchcock, who players um, you know make fun of for not being able to skate at practice. And <laughs> You've heard NHL players do that, right? Yeah. Um, and as much as they, you know, listen to him as a coach, they don't have that respect that he could actually do it. And that goes so far with NHL players. So anyway, that's my roundabout way of saying that that's how Rob Brindamore gets an extra little bit out of these Hurricanes guys. And it may just be enough. They reflect their coach. And I'm, I'm on the Hurricane train, man. I'm on it. It's a 180. It's a 180. Raleigh, Chris has gone from a little bit concerned about Carolina to full bore, um, you know, rock, what's, what's the term, rocking the wave or something like that that they, they do? Rock, I forget. The, uh, the surge? Ride the, the surge, surge. ride yeah. the surge. I don't know. It's been that long since we actually had games that happen in, uh, in actual arenas. Um, worth mentioning from a statistical standpoint, Carolina was one of those three series that I mentioned who the underdogs actually have the special teams advantage in, if you were curious about what's going on there. Uh, Carolina top 10 in both the expected goals for and against category. Um, and... You know, I know you don't like James Reimer, but he actually had a really good series this year, and he was really good in that one game that he played uh, against the Rangers. So, you know, that's at least sort of a backup plan, literally, um, when it comes to a series that's seven games, right? Like I talked about in game five, like congrats on having two good goalies, but by the time you get to that second goalie, it's probably too late, at least with the seven-game series, you know, you, you have time to make up that ground. Um, you know, no offense to Yarrow Halak, but for Boston, it's a pretty big dip if something happened to Rask. And again, it's not like he's coming in in the picture of health necessarily. So, um, you know, I, I, again, I, I first bet I made you guys, you know, you guys were asking for it, right? Because of the price that you guys made Carolina, whether that was, you know, faith in Boston to win the series and you want the Carolina money, I imagine you, you guys adjusted that price, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that might be more just sort of a misreading on thinking that the public was going to love Boston. And which, uh, which the public normally does. And yeah. I, I do believe that, um, you know, if it gets much lower, there, there does become some value on this Bruins team because, hey, they can play too. And Bruce Cavett, sure. he always has them ready to go. I actually think this is going to be a super low scoring series as well. 
Yeah, that's 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 entirely fair. It is funny, and I'll sort of you know finish this series off by sort of mentioning like, if you had said, you know, if these Carolina if this Carolina team was again take the jerseys off, maybe put the Rangers jerseys on them, maybe put the Leafs jerseys on them, you know, any other sort of brand you know brand recognition type team, and you said to Boston, hey, you have to face the team that you faced in the conference finals last year and you have to do it in the first round, we'd all be talking about a, what a raw deal Boston got from this whole, you know, shakeup, right? But you're not really hearing that much. Again, there hasn't been that much time to sort of, you know, drink all this stuff in. But, like, it is kind of crazy that Boston's sort of saddled with the team that made the conference finals. Now it's Carolina, and, like, people automatically kind of devalue them just because it's Carolina and they don't have the top two guys who are making $10 million. Right. But they didn't make the conference finals last year. And if any other team had to face a conference finalist, you know, in the first round, you know, you'd be like, what? Like this, this is brutal. This is like, what if, you know, if the blues had to face like the golden Knights or something, (laughs) you know, or the sharks, like obviously the sharks uh, aren't good this year, but you just brought it right back to what we talked about off the top. They don't have guys making 10 million which means they've got a bunch of guys who are hungry looking for contracts looking to prove themselves and uh they've got enough talent to spread around under the salary cap which is a dangerous dangerous combination for any team that's going up against it absolutely so from an eastern conference standpoint who do you like to make the final who is the you know what's the liability like uh for the sports book uh you know we talked about you liking colorado in the west uh what do you think well, it's interesting in terms of liability because a lot of the, the favorite and the public teams went out. So in terms of liability, as we talked about earlier, our biggest liability is on the Montreal Canadiens. And after that, it's on the Carolina Hurricanes. If either of those teams win the Eastern Conference, cool that loses money. If any <laughs> of the remaining six teams win, we profit. So, okay. yeah, it's, uh, it's a real interesting setup right now. Um, so for me personally, I think it's going to be an absolute grind. Like I think these high skill teams like the caps and the lightning, um, and to a lesser degree, the Bruins are, are really in for a dog fight against some hungry, hungry clubs. I went out yesterday and I put, um, and this is probably bad from a value perspective. Uh, you'd be able to tell me if this is a bad decision, but I just looked at sure. my opportunity to, to turn a profit. I bet um, at seven to one, I bet the uh, Hurricanes and the Islanders and the Jackets at nine to one, all three teams to win the Eastern Conference. Um, Okay. So if one of of them does, I'm still up four units, right? Um, So, yeah. Yeah, that's always tricky, right? And I deal with that in golf a lot because you're, you know, you're sort of spreading, you know, your money around to multiple different golfers, same as you're sort of doing here. Right. Where you go, yeah, if I win the bet, right your let's say you know the worst case scenario is the seven to one wins and you lost two units on the other two but you win five units Mm -hmm. right so like okay so you just moved a seven to one to a five to one if you win problem is like that hasn't happened yet so right now you have to do the math on your three you know wagers here and it's going to equal out to be like two to one right so it's like two to one before it happens because, you know, you obviously have to factor in the two bets that you'll lose when, you know, if you won, right? And so, you know, let's say hypothetically, you know, for ease of money, right? You put $20 on each one of those. So you said seven, nine, and nine were the numbers? Uh, seven, seven, and nine. 
seven, seven and nine, right? So you go, okay, well, worst case scenario, one of the sevens win and I win $140, but I have two units, you know, that I lose on. So now my profit is, you know, a hundred dollars. And the thing is like, so yeah, you would, you would still be up that, you know, five units, but going in, you're going like, I can only win one of these three. So the best or the worst, I, you know, the worst you can do is a hundred and you know, you're now, it's now closer to like three to one, right? Because you've invested $60 into winning a hundred. So it's like, it's actually even less than that. Right. So it's like, it's a plus one fifty type of a bet, you know, now it's just, you know, if once you win it, then it becomes like, Oh, I, you know, I, I won five to one, um, you know, on that exercise. Right. So it's, it's tricky with a math standpoint. So if you've determined again, like I don't have, you know, I haven't cranked out those probabilities necessarily. Like if you've determined that those three teams winning are better than, you know, what the probability is for, you know, quickly off of my top of my head, I think I was about one, you know, plus one forty. you know, then, then that's a bet that is, you know, perfectly fine to make. Right. And like plus one forty, of course would be, you know, somewhere around what, like 40% type of thing. So, you know, yeah, like, yeah. Let's, let's, you know, again, like, I, I don't have the math to say like, oh, terrible value. But if you think, yeah, 41.7%, right? So if one of those three teams, if you think they win 50% of the time, or even 45% of the time, it's a good bet right now, it becomes a very good bet, obviously, if they win, it's just that's the sort of fun with math, that, you know, this whole odds game sort of, um, you know, results in. So well, I'm going to okay. get back to you if both if two of those teams play each other in the Eastern Conference Final, we're going to figure out how to really maximize that. Yeah, well, at that point, yeah, you're totally. I mean, you're sailing, right? You don't really have to do anything. It's if you know one of them's already in, and maybe the other's playing a game seven, you know, or something like those lines. That's where things get super, super tricky. But yeah, as long as they all keep winning, you just sit back and you go like, yeah, I'm going to. You know, at that point, you're going to get your five to one. Right, no matter what. So as long as all my bets keep, as long as all my bets keep winning, we're good. That's well, the bottom line. Listen, that's that's the motto of this podcast, right? Because I'm trying to keep people's heads on straight after the last week and a half that we just had between PGA glory um, and you know hockey stuff and hitting the NBA at like a 68% rate right now, which is just stupid considering like how random these bubble games are with like different guys playing and different guys not playing or whatever. So it's like, it's a Will Ferrell, everybody just maintain your composure type situation out here. Um, anyway. Yeah. I think that wraps it up. Um, going to be a hell of another week or two, right? Like that felt like that last one went by super quick. Well, it's awesome, man. It looks like they're going to keep, uh, well, I guess they have to keep the uh, the kind of March Madness style scheduling. So that was uh, super exciting. It was great for the sports book because people were just betting the NHL all day, live betting. Uh, so from a cool bets perspective, we love this and we'll be petitioning to, uh, to, to have it like this going forward. Yeah. Send the paperwork in. You know how we're good at that. Uh, fan engagement. That's what it's all about. Thanks very much, Chris. Thanks for having me on, Matt. I love it. All right, that's it for the big preview show. Uh, went long, but, you know, tons of good stuff there with Chris Abbott. 
Uh, didn't really, you know, kind of glossed over it a little bit talking about NBA and Major League Baseball from Monday. Uh, swept it on Major League Baseball. That was awesome. None of those games were even particularly close. Even the Tigers, which I didn't even get down on, uh, they go ahead and win. So, you know, hopefully you just mega followed. Not that that's normally something that I advise. As for the NBA, it's just pretty clear at this point, uh, you know, you have to be aware of who's starting and who's not in these games, right? And just a quick anecdote from yesterday, you know, all over the map, um, you know, Dallas is in a game and they're, you know, they're down, but then they, it's a, literally a scrubs on scrubs game. So at that point, who knows what's going to happen? Uh, I find out, you know, I was lucky to find out that uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo wasn't in the lineup for the Bucks. Uh, I had talked about how if, you know, full teams together, I would take the Bucks in this one. He's out, Lowry's out. I probably don't have to tell you that Giannis means more to that team in a one-game circumstance than Lowry does to the Raptors. The Raptors system will often take care of lesser teams. And of course, without Giannis, the Bucks are a lesser team. So I was fortunate I was able to grab the Raptors at plus six and a half and the money line. Um, all happening so quickly that I couldn't even get it out on Twitter in time. Um, you know, we did get the win fading the Lakers again. They hit the last game winning shot in the last second. Congrats to them for that. Um, but otherwise, you know, you just have to follow along with the injury report, right? Uh, on the flip side, Miami comes out and uh, Jimmy Butler's back in the lineup. Goran Dragic is back in the lineup. So I was able to grab Miami minus three and a half there. The line didn't move really at all with that announcement. So... You know, um, 3-0 and for me in the NBA, but only one that I was able to really talk about on the podcast because we just didn't know what was going on. Um, you know, looking at Tuesday's action, it's a complete free-for-all with guys sitting out. Phoenix is, you know, a 9.5-point favorite because no Embiid for Philly. You know, that's an unbettable type of a game. Looking later on, I would take Memphis against Boston, Memphis back against the wall, and you know I'm going to be back on the Portland Trailblazers again. Beyond that, you know, is Giannis going to play against Washington? I don't know why they'd even bother, to be honest. Uh, minus, if he did at minus 7.5, that's a good number, but who's to really know? Uh, and then Sacramento, I would take minus 2.5 against New Orleans now that New Orleans is out of the running. So really two plays that right now I kind of just have my toe dipped into at this point because I don't really know what's going to happen. Now we only have a few more days left in the NBA and you know it might just be let's sit on the sidelines or pick one game out here or there involving teams that are still sort of chasing um, a playoff spot. And of course that means the Western Conference teams. So um, we'll be fired back up again for the playoffs. Don't worry about that. As for Major League Baseball, again, awesome day yesterday. Who you know? Who knew? Um, but check Twitter at Emrus Authentic for all of that. Anyway, that's a wrap for this one. Subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, I'll see you at the window.